Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, as we look at God's Word together. Uh, A few Sunday nights ago, we talked about uh, the commissioning here that God gives, uh, that the Lord Jesus gives to His disciples, and uh, you see them as they respond to this, as God continues to work in their lives. I want you to see verse 9. It says, Now when He had spoken these things... While they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had returned, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Now note here, Jesus ascends into heaven. He has told them that he is going to leave them to be this dynamic force to go out into all of the world, evangelizing the world, taking the good news, the gospel, to the ends of the earth. That's what God has told them. That's what Christ has told them that that he is going to do with them. But in the meantime, what are they to do? Well, they have to wait. And that's the reason I, I call tonight's message the waiting game. Now, I don't mean to infer that this was a game so much, but it reminds us of just having to to wait and the frustrations that sometimes come with that. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I I can, I don't like waiting, okay? I just don't like waiting. Do you? I don't like waiting on much of anything. I don't like waiting at the grocery store. I don't like waiting in the car and uh, just driving around. I don't like waiting. I grow very frustrated when I have to wait. And again, I'm sure that's just something that I face in my life, but just waiting in general. And think about playing a waiting game with people, having to wait on something, having to wait, especially when you know or you feel like you know this is what you want to do or what you're supposed to be doing, and yet you have to wait. Get this. The disciples are told, you're going to go and be my witnesses, and you're, you're going to start in Jerusalem, you're going to go to Judea, you're going to go to Samaria, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. So get ready, get excited, and wait. That's basically the way it sounds. I mean, you got to wait. It says that they returned from Olivet, which is just across the way from Jerusalem. They come down, they come into Jerusalem, they come together, and they come to wait. What are you supposed to do when you're playing the waiting game? When you when God has already said, this is what I'm going to have you do, but I want you to just step back and wait for a few moments. Some of us have been there, huh? You've been there before. Well, you knew this is what God was calling you to do. You felt like it down deep, but God just kept saying, wait. How, how do you spend that time waiting and again most of us are frustrated because we want to go on we want uh, i was sharing with somebody the other day 
It's kind of like when uh, God worked in my life to bring me to Temple a few months ago, and um, Leslie and I had gone back to, to Zachary. We had agreed to come to Temple, and we had been here, and it had been a, it had been a great service that we had had and confirmation that was there. And then when we got back, it was kind of like, can we get back to Ruston as soon as we can? Why? Because we already knew what God was doing in our heart. We knew that there had to be a couple weeks, and we knew we had to suffer in Disney World for a week before we came back. To, But it, it, it was kind of like our heart was already there. When God moves you and he says, this is what you want, you can feel your heart just move as well. So here they are. Their heart is with the world, winning the world, and yet they have to wait. So let me just suggest to you the things that we can do when we have to wait, when we know what God wants us to do, and yet he says to wait. So what should we do? Well, one, when you play in the waiting game, you just have to wait. You have to wait together. I think you can wait together. Notice this. They come back to Jerusalem. They come into the upper room and note that they are not by themselves here, that they are actually together. I think as we'll see in a few moments, as they pray together, as they focus together, as they work, they're going to be together discerning what God is going to do in their lives, getting ready for what God is going to do. When you're playing a waiting game, when you're waiting for God just to move you into the mission he's called you to be involved in or in the context he's called you to be involved in, it's great to find a, some folks, some other believers that you can gather with and you can wait with. There's something about being a part of a local body of believers where you can share your thoughts and your concerns and you can wait with them and you can draw tremendous strength together. So I think sometimes you just, you just got to wait together. Now, through the book of Acts, as we move through this um, book, as we'll see, the community of faith is so central to God's work and to what he's wanting to accomplish in people's lives. So here you have the community of faith together, waiting. Second thing that I would say to do is not only wait together, but pray together. Pray together. It says in verse 14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. The disciples, it mentions here the women, Mary the mother of Jesus, his brothers, all of these individuals, as we'll see before the days are out, 120 total will be there, and they are joining themselves together to pray, to seek God together. Now, again, they know what they're supposed to do. They're, they're just waiting for God to give them the orders to get out, and they're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to come in their lives they're waiting, but while they're waiting, they're praying. Again, for clarification, maybe it is that they're praying for God's wisdom and discernment as they go through this process. They are praying. I think it's awesome that we have brothers and sisters, first of all, that will pray for us. And to be able to go to our brothers and sisters and join together and pray collectively for God's work and his will to be demonstrated. I, I think that's awesome, don't you? If I have something in my life, uh, um, 
a concern, if I have a burden, if I'm trying to discern God's will for what he wants to accomplish in my life, it should give me strength to know that I can come to a local body of believers here at Temple, maybe maybe even in a smaller context like my Sunday school class, and I can look at them, people that represent uh, Christ here on earth, people that have the Holy Spirit of God living within them, and I can and I can ask them to pray that God would give me clarity, that God would work in my life to show me what I need to do, and to pray for the empowerment that I need, and that we can do it together. Prayer can bring a lot of people together. It encourages in and of itself unity among the people of God. But here they're waiting. They're just, they're just hanging out, but they're not wasting their time. They're going to pray together in one accord. And notice as it continues, verse 15, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Note that they were considering scripture. They obviously were processing the word of God here. They were trying to determine what God would, again, have them do, and they were focused on scripture together so look here they wait together they pray together and they focus on scripture together because when you're waiting it does not mean that you are wasting listen to what sometimes we think just because god's told us to wait that we're wasting all this time well if if God had just let me go ahead and get out there and do this thing, you know, if God would just let me go ahead, I could accomplish so much. I mean, that's the way, isn't that the way you feel? So, it's the way I felt a time or two. I'd be like, God, if you're just going to give me a go ahead, I can go do this now because I feel like I'm wasting my time when I'm waiting. But often it is in the moments of waiting when God truly prepares you for what he is going to do. And notice they could go out on their own right now, but they're not going to accomplish much without the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. They could go out and they could, t but they're not going to accomplish what they could if they would simply wait like he told them to and allow the Holy Spirit to come upon their lives and to empower them to go out and to make a difference. So, instead of wasting their time while they're waiting, They've gathered together, they're waiting together, they're praying together, and they're focused on Scripture. Peter gets up and says, you know what, I've been reading, I've been thinking about what David has said, and all of this has brought fulfillment to what David had prophesied. Even as you look in verse 20, it says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Speaking about Judas here, he says, I believe that God in his sovereignty has even worked in this and has even demonstrated his will through Judas' betrayal and what was going to happen afterwards. He says, I believe, I've been looking at the scripture, I've been studying it together, and this is what I see. And again, 
I say to you that if you feel like God's calling you into missions or God's calling you into a special ministry in your workplace, or maybe it's starting a Bible study somewhere or whatever else, I don't know what God might be calling you to do, and you feel like you're just now waiting for that final confirmation or for him to continue to uh, show you or guide you, let me say to you that one of the best things you can do besides praying is focusing upon the Scripture and allowing God to speak to you. Somebody asked me the other day, as we were talking through, they wanted me to explain to their child uh, how God speaks. That's a pretty open question, isn't it? I mean, God does speak in a lot of ways. But I told the child, I said, the primary way in which God speaks is through his word. I'm not saying God can't use other people. I'm not saying God can't use circumstances. I've read all of Henry Blackaby's stuff. I know you can experience God in a whole lot of different ways. But the primary way in which God speaks is through his word. So if you have questions and you need answers and you're going through a waiting period, you know what? It's an awesome thing to focus on the scripture. And together, together, to be able to come Maybe again, whether it's in a study or maybe a small group or whatever else, you come together and you say, let's see what God would say through his scripture for where I am and what's going on. And here in this waiting period, God is speaking still and God has spoken to Peter and said, Peter, this is the fulfillment of David's words, his prophecy. This is the fulfillment of scripture. And Peter stands up and begins to share it. With those who are there, a hundred or twenty or so, and says, look, I think this is what we're supposed to be doing. So they focus on Scripture together, and then they continue to prepare together. Prepare, in this case, how do they prepare it? They actually elect someone to take Judas' place. Notice verse 21, therefore... Of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Notice Peter is taking his uh, cue from the scripture. He says, this is what is supposed to be done. Now, it doesn't mean that there's going to be somehow an apostolic succession and that every time... uh, apostle is dies or is has to be replaced that that's not the case what this is saying is that this is a symbolic 12 remember a symbolic 12 that god has chosen to work through yes there were other believers but our attention is called time and time again to the 12 they represent god's messengers here on earth and basically as they understand scripture They come to replace Judas, not because of his death, but rather because of his betrayal. And notice it says in verse 23, they propose two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered 
with the 11 apostles. So they elect Matthias to take Judah's place. Notice they're preparing. They're getting everything ready. That's kind of the way I am too. You know, I'm kind of like, all right, I know this is what I'm going to do. So what can I do to get myself ready for that time that's going to come? All right? Now, I don't believe they've even got an idea, a true concept, what the Holy Spirit, that power, how it's going to be manifest. I, I don't think they do at this point. I don't think they even know what the Pentecost day is going to be like. I don't think they could even sing the hymn, Pentecostal Power. I don't think they could do that at that point and truly know what God was going to do. But they knew something was coming. And God said to wait. And God said, I'm going to, I've got this great mission. I mean, it's a worldwide mission that I'm going to send you on. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to get you ready. I'm going to empower you for it. You just got to go and wait. So they know it's coming. So what do they do? Instead of wasting their time, they wait together. They pray together. They focus on scripture together. And they prepare by electing the leadership that is needed, they prepare together. And I say, man, those are great, great words for us in whatever we are in. Some of us may be right in the middle of the ministry or uh, work or whatever else it is that we know that we're supposed to be in. But for some of us in here, I really believe God may be calling you and to do something specific. Again, may not be a call to vocational ministry. It may be a call for you to work in that job that you're in and somehow to express the glory of God through that. Maybe he's calling you to do something new and afresh within that context. And you're trying to figure it out. You know God wants you to. But right now you're just in a waiting phase. What I would say to you, what I would encourage you to do, Don't get isolated. Don't get by yourself. But come together to wait with others. To hear a word from him. To pray together. To focus together. And then prepare all the other things. Do you need to make some um, adjustments here in this part of your life in order to get yourself ready for what God is going to do? Listen to what he wants to do. During that waiting period. Because get this. When you turn to Acts chapter 2. As we'll look I guess next week or so. When you just move from one chapter to the next. From the waiting period. To the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be unbelievable. To see what the Holy Spirit would do in the lives of these believers. And he will get them. He will get them prepared. And he will move them. Notice that here in this chapter, chapter 1, they had cast lots to determine their leadership. Cast lots. Pretty ordinary tradition of the day. I've always read through the book of Acts and always thought about that moment and said, well, we don't do that so much today, do we? Uh, we usually, I mean, you don't see many, you may see a deacon every now and then doing something in the back, you know, but that's questionable, okay? That wasn't sanctioned by the church probably, but 
We don't really see those things happening today. Why? Because I firmly believe, because in chapter 2, you begin a new page of the work of God in people's lives. Because no longer did they have to cast lots to discern the will of God. But from there out, they would have the Holy Spirit alive in the church and alive in their, in their own personal lives to direct them and to guide them. So they're getting ready for that moment to where the power comes, where they have the discernment, where they have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit living within them. They're getting prepared. They're getting ready. But while they wait, they don't waste. They come together with a specific purpose and plan. I encourage us to do that, just to wait and see what God would do